You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, January 27th, 2022. I'm Coda Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I go over updates in campus news and explain how Fort Collins voters approved a ban on single-use plastic bags that will start May 1st. I go over updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies, and we hear from Liz Good of the City of Fort Collins about their Art in Public Places program. After that, CODA updates listeners on a new Supreme Court vacancy, and we hear from the Live and Local podcast. After that, Eliza Droder gives an overview on CSU athletics, and we hear an excerpt of a CTV piece on the CSU Spur campus. To conclude today's show, CODA explains some updates on technology with information on Picasso NFTs and a five-day weather forecast. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Ellie Shannon with your campus and local news for Thursday, January 27th. Colorado State University is still in its second week of classes in the spring 2022 semester. CSU men's basketball took on the University of Nevada on Tuesday night and won after a close game. Make sure to listen to Eliza Droder later in the episode, where she talks about all CSU sports. CSU's online bachelor's program in psychology is the ninth best online program according to 2022 U.S. News and World Report rankings. According to Allison Sill of CSU Source News, a total of 146 students enrolled in the program in the spring of 2022, a number that's grown by 70% since 2017. Brian Dick, professor and associate chair in CSU psychology department, and director of the department's online bachelor's degree program, stated to Source, quote, As a land-grant institution, access to education is a core value. The online program offers an amazing opportunity for a broader array of students to earn a CSU degree, end quote. For more information on CSU's online psychology program, visit source.colostate.edu. Two Colorado State University faculty members have been elected fellows of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, according to CSU's Source News. This award is one of the most distinctive honors within the scientific community. The two faculty members that are being awarded are Professor Rick Astor, the head of the Department of Geosciences in the Warner College of Natural Sciences, and Dr. Rajinder Ranu, Professor Emeritus of Cell and Molecular Biology, Molecular Genetics, Microbiology, and Plant Pathology in the College of Agricultural Sciences. Ranu was elected in the Medical Sciences section for, quote, distinguished contributions to molecular biology, particularly in discovery and characterization of factors involved in protein synthesis, end quote. Aster, on the other hand, is being recognized for, quote, distinguished contributions to earthquake and volcano seismology, seismic imaging, inverse problems, signal processing, cryospheric and fluvial seismology, Antarctic geophysics, and and seismological instrumentation, end quote. For more information on Aster and Renu's achievements, visit source.colostate.edu. Now on to local news. The city's voter-approved ban on single-use plastic bags at large grocery stores and styrofoam takeout containers will take effect on May 1st, according to J.C. Marmaduke of the Coloradoan. There will be other changes to the policy to align it with state law, and the 12-cent fee on bags will now be 10 cents instead of 12. Fort Collins is planning for the future as well. 
because in 2024, the city plans to ban plastic bags at most stores and restaurants, as well as styrofoam cups and takeout containers. In the April 2021 election, about 60% of Fort Collins voters approved the plastic bag ban. Colorado Governor Jared Polis signed the state legislation HB 21-1162 into law in July. The city plans to exempt people who participate in federal, state, and local income qualified programs from the 10-cent fee. For more information on the new changes, visit coloradoan.com. The Poudre River Public Library District appointed Diane LaPierre as the new executive director. LaPierre was previously the director of the Loveland Public Library and the Denver Public Library Friends Foundation. Brooke Pippen of the Collegian reported that LaPierre said libraries have always been a huge part of her life. She grew up spending time in the Loveland Public Library and volunteering at her school libraries until eventually maintaining a work-study job at a library in college. Libraries have struggled since the beginning of the pandemic, but LaPierre stated that her goals include a future-focused approach that includes collaboration. Turian, a Bill Gates-owned development just east of I-25 and Berthet and Mead, has now been delayed before going underway. Turian has been in the works for about two decades, and the development will be a 2,100-acre project that will be the largest master plan community in Berthet and Mead, according to Ken Amundsen of the Loveland Reporter Herald. Construction is planned to begin this year, but Berthet has delayed the decision on when to begin due to hosting community sign-offs on Metropolitan District Service Plans. The original plan for Turian was that it will take 30 years to complete, with 34 different phases of construction. The Board of Berthoud plans to meet on February 8th to discuss final steps and whether development will proceed as projected. For more information on Turian, visit reporterherald.com. Thanks for listening to my updates on campus and local news. Make sure to always tune in to the Rocky Mountain Review Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. I'm Ellie Shannon, and you're listening to KCSU on 90.5 FM. We'll be right back with COVID-19 updates. You're listening to KCSU Fort Collins at 90.5 FM. Tune in to... What's up, guys? It's Hannah Conda. Listen to my show 1 3 p.m. on Tuesdays. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed campus or local news with Ellie Shannon, be sure to check out our recorded episode by checking us out on Spotify, at KCSU News, or on the KCSU app. 
available on the App Store and Google Play. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to COVID-19 updates for Thursday. Colorado State University reports over 6,500 cases of COVID-19, with 12 new cases Tuesday. Since returning from classes, CSU saw a massive spike in cases, likely as a result of the Omicron COVID-19 variant. Cases started to decline this week. Larimer County reports nearly 69,000 cases of COVID-19 and over 430 deaths. The county reports a high-risk score, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports a high level of community transmission in the county. 97 COVID-19 patients are currently in area hospitals. The county's seven-day case rate for COVID-19 is over 1,200 per 100,000 residents, which is nearly 1,000 cases higher than it was typically in the fall semester. About one in four COVID-19 tests come back positive in the county, and intensive care units are full and reporting 114% utilization compared to normal care level. The county recommends that in high-risk periods, residents take the following precautions. Get vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19 if you have not already. Wear masks indoors when people from outside your household are present. Masks should fit snug, and KN95 masks are especially recommended. Monitor yourself for COVID-19 symptoms, and stay home even if your symptoms are mild. Get tested immediately if you notice any symptoms of COVID-19. If you test positive, seek treatment and isolate. Postpone all indoor gatherings, and in the case that it cannot be postponed, require that all attendees be vaccinated. Consider limiting the number of households present and move activities outside if possible. Employers are encouraged to promote remote work options for employees where possible. The county also reminds residents to continue practicing social distancing. The state of Colorado reports over 1.2 million COVID-19 cases and over 11,000 deaths from COVID-19. 10 million vaccines have been administered in the state and 3.8 million Coloradans are fully immunized against the virus. A new version of the Omicron variant is spreading in Europe and Asia, but officials studying it believe it is no more infectious or dangerous than the original Omicron variant. The mutation is referred to as Omicron BA2, and the Washington Post says many viruses mutate without any real risk of harm. So far, scientists have no reason to believe it spreads faster or that it's easier to get than the original variant. At least three cases are in the U.S. and were identified in Texas. The United States has a total of over 72.3 million cases of COVID-19 and over 870,000 deaths. Over 80% of people over the age of five are vaccinated against COVID-19 and community transmission is high nationwide. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for Thursday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the Washington Post, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine results, schedule saliva screenings, and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. Now we're going to be hearing from Liz Good, who works with the Arts in Public Places program with the City of Fort Collins. If you want to find out additional information, you can go to fcgov.com artspublic, and there you can find a newsletter that you can sign up with which has an option for artists who are interested in new opportunities to sign up to find out about those opportunities. Today I'm joined by Liz Good, the Visual Arts Coordinator from the City of Fort Collins, to discuss Art in Public Places, a project by the city with features like Pianos About Town and the Transformer Cabinet Murals. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So can you tell me a bit about the Art in Public Places program's goals and how you think it improves Fort Collins? Yeah, um, the goals of this program are um, to 
pretty much add art around the city and make it beautiful. Um, it adds visual interest and um, economic value to the city. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about why the city decided to bring in new opportunities, especially to local artists in this way? And what has the general response been from both the community and the artists receiving work? Um, well, I think, you know, the general intent was um, just to increase the appreciation of artwork around the city and um, to take advantage of all the amazing artists that we have in the area. Uh, we have specific programs like our Transformer Cabinet murals that are painted by um, members of the community that live within the Fort Collins Growth Management Area. And then we also have opportunities that um, allow artists that are regional or national to work and create artwork in Fort Collins. All right. And then how do some art pieces end up addressing serious issues like climate change or Fort Collins history? Um, our program is actually a design team approach to designing artwork. So um, it's funded through city capital projects. Um, there's actually a city ordinance that gives 1% of budgets over a certain amount towards art. Um, so the city's project teams are the ones that create the direction for the artwork. And we have some departments, um, especially utilities, um, that works to create educational pieces within their art. So um, they do a lot of work as far as sustainability um, and environmental um, issues. And so they work those into the artwork to kind of share that message. And then also just the history of what's happened in the city before and how things have changed over time. All right. And then what are some of the newer additions when it comes to art in Fort Collins and where can people find them? Um, well, there's always new artwork um, coming around the city. Um, see, our newest completed projects are um, we have a series of um, murals that were painted um, on the Mason Street corridor that are going back to that um, environmental message we just celebrated the 20th anniversary of the climate wise program which works with the local businesses to improve their um, environmental stewardship and um, climate responsibilities and so as a celebration of the 20th anniversary um, the artist gail whitman painted three cabinets along um, mason street from mountain to olive street that um, that share the story of the program and the benefits that it's had for the city um, we also recently completed the, um, Traverse Park is a new park in Fort Collins. So, um, one of the things that's nice about our projects being tied to different projects within the city, um, construction projects is that it spreads them out throughout the city. Um, so Traverse Park is very far east and northeast in Fort Collins. So it's almost to I-25 on Vine. Um, so artists, um, Joe McGrain worked there to create a giant hammock. Um, so it's about 20 feet wide, eight feet tall. So multiple people can sit on this hammock. Um, the park actually used to be a tree farm. So it was built with existing spine of full grown evergreen trees. So the goal is that people can sit there and enjoy nature and these mature trees and um, be out in nature at the edge of the city. 
All right. And then kind of on that topic, how does including local artists and city projects like this help to tell those stories of Fort Collins that might have otherwise gotten lost? Had you recruited someone who didn't totally understand what a region, a little area looked like, like that park? Um, I mean, I think that there is a connection to the city and the history of the city that local artists bring. Um, but luckily, I think that a lot of the artists, once they're part of a project and because they are part of that project and they learn um, the reason that things are being created a certain way and what the message and what the history of that location, they're able to um, develop those aspects into their artwork. Um, But yeah, I think that in general, artists just have a great way of sharing information in new ways and so that they're able to kind of incorporate all of those aspects of their experiences with the city and then also what they learn as being part of that project into the art that they create. And then what programs are currently seeking new artists or maybe volunteers and how do application processes work? Yeah, so um, we actually have a lot of calls out right now for our annual projects. Um, Two of the big ones that a lot of people are familiar with are the Pianos About Town and then the Transformer Cabinet Murals. Um, the pianos about town, the deadline is February 2nd, and the Transformer Cabinet Murals is March. Did I just say February 2nd? I meant February 1st. Um, and then the Transformer Cabinet is March 1st. Um, and those are very, those are different in that the pianos, you submit an existing proposal of what you want that mural to look like, um, while the Transformer Cabinets, you, you submit a uh, portfolio of your previous artwork and you're selected based on that and then you create the design after you're selected based on which cabinet you're um, assigned to paint. Um, We also have a really exciting opportunity right now um, which is the first time we're doing an artist in residency um, which will be with our utilities department and it's um, like we were talking about that unique way of artists to share the story. Um, So they would, it's a year residency where they would spend six months getting to know how the utilities work and what they do, and then six months developing a project to be able to share that with the community. Um, And so that the deadline right now is the beginning of February, but it might be extended a little bit. All right. And then does the city plan to expand this work and in what ways? There aren't any specific plans right now. Um, I I think that we, since we work with our projects, and the capital projects within the city, kind of the sky's the limit once we get on those project teams um, and what kind of artwork is developed. All right, and then for app people who might be interested in applying either for the Pianos About Town or for the Transformer murals, um, if they're nervous about applying and have that artistic experience and interest, um, what would you tell them? Um, the Both of those projects are really great way to get experience. Um, And also um, there's never a reason not to try. Um, You can um, apply for the same project over and over and get, not get picked, but you get, you can get picked too. And it's a wonderful experience. Um, So I think uh, being an artist isn't easy um, and that you really do need to keep trying and that it's worth it. Um, We do have, information on our website for new artists. Both of those projects we offer open houses about. Um, so we have a hour long presentation of what to experience, what you will experience in applying in once you're selected. And there's 
We've already had them for this year, but there's recordings of both of them on our website. All right. And then kind of to wrap up, as a resident of Fort Collins, what feelings do you really get when you see all of this new art around Fort Collins' public areas? I think I've been um, in Fort Collins about 25 years, and I'm always surprised at how much it's evolved over that time and developed and also how many additional groups beyond the city are now creating artwork. Um, We have the Fort Collins Mural Project that's painting murals downtown. um, And then we have different private businesses that are hiring artists to paint murals or create artwork within their shops and restaurants. So it's it's great. The city just becomes more beautiful all the time. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Support for KCSU comes from Munchies Supermarket. Munchies is located near the Campus West shopping area on West Elizabeth Street. Open 7 a.m. to 12 a.m. seven days a week. Munchies offers snacks, food, personal care items, smoking accessories, and more. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to National News for January 27th. The U.S. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer intends to retire in June, assuming that President Biden finds a replacement for his position in time. According to Lawrence Hurley and Andrew Chung at Reuters, the liberal-leaning justice is in his 80s and has served the Supreme Court for around 18 years. Despite giving Biden the opportunity to leave a lasting impact on the high court with his nomination, Breyer's liberal approach means the president wouldn't change the political majority of the Supreme Court. After the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, former President Donald Trump made his third mark in the Supreme Court in the way of creating a 6-3 to conservative majority with the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. In his time in the Supreme Court, Breyer focused on issues such as abortion access and gun rights. Congressional Democrats hope to nominate and confirm a new justice prior to the midterm elections, where they fear their small majority may shift to a minority in the House or Senate. San Jose, California approved the first known law requiring gun owners to purchase liability insurance. According to the Associated Press, San Jose City Council approved the measure, which also asks gun owners to have gun safes install trigger locks and complete safety courses to ensure responsible gun ownership. Similar to car insurance, the liability insurance purchased by registered gun owners would cover the cost of damages and allow for some level of compensation for medical bills or deaths caused by firearm operations. This insurance would not protect the gun owner in the case that a weapon is lost, however, in the way that some other forms of insurance for devices do. In addition to requiring insurance, San Jose City Council approved a policy 
that would require gun owners to pay a $25 registration fee, which would support firearm safety education opportunities, among other issues. This new law has been criticized for potentially taxing a constitutionally protected item, and due to it not impacting owners of illegally obtained firearms. Also in California, a redwood forest was returned to a collection of Northern California's native tribes. According to Rachel Treisman at National Public Radio, the land being returned includes over 500 acres of forest land and was purchased by a group called the Save the Redwoods League. The group transferred ownership officially to the Intertribal Cinquione Wilderness Council Tuesday. The council is made up of several local tribes and focused their efforts on environmental and Native American cultural preservation. The council is renaming the forest to Se'e Le Don, which means Fish Run Place in Cinquione. The league originally purchased the forest for over $3.5 million, which was funded entirely by Pacific Gas and Electric Company as part of their efforts to restore the environment following deadly fires caused by the utility company. The three groups, along with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, developed or agreed to goals for the forest in terms of conserving the area. After a boat capsized off the Florida coast, the United States Coast Guard discovered one body Wednesday and are still searching for 38 other people. The incident is believed to have involved human smuggling based on information given by Commander Joanne Burdian. According to Brian Ellsworth at Reuters, the route used when the boat was found upside down is commonly used to smuggle people, with tugboat Signet Intruder finding it on Tuesday morning. A man was found distressed on the boat and was rescued by the tugboat's team. The tugboat was not a Coast Guard ship and rather owned by the Jacksonville fleet of Signet Maritime Corps, who alerted the Coast Guard of the accident. The survivor said that he boarded the boat with 39 other people in the Bahamas Saturday, and Sunday morning the boat turned over as a result of bad weather conditions. No one on board was wearing a life jacket, and the lone survivor received treatment in a Florida hospital after being stranded, resulting in dehydration and overexposure to the sun. Human smuggling often occurs with inexperienced boat operators, attempting to transport people from Cuba and Haiti, among other countries, trying to flee to the U.S. That's all for national news. I'm Koda Babcock, and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins on 90.5 FM. You're listening to Live and Local, a podcast brought to you by 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Dylan King. On January 23rd, I brought in David Miner, a communications major here at CSU. The night before, he actually opened for the Charlie Crockett Band, and on Friday the 28th, he's playing up at the Swing Station for another night. During our time, we got to talk about his writing techniques, how he grew up, how he ended up in Fort Collins, and a few other things that just came to mind. To open us up, we're going to listen to his song, Sycamore Tree. Long, lonely nights Staring at the shadows on the wall You don't come Big city lights Are leaking through the curtains on my window And I hear a call Warm southern breeze, sycamore trees, her loving eyes smiling at me, and I wonder where those days have gone. 
Out here it's never quiet The siren never cease their howling song They go all night long And I cannot sleep So I drink until I wake up on the floor I can't take it anymore Cause I miss the warm southern breeze The sycamore trees Her loving eyes smiling at me And I'm praying that those days ain't gone I practice every word Do and shield as I'm racing towards the state line But nothing sounds right It won't be nothing that she ain't hurt And I'm hoping this time she can find some mercy For this mixed up heart of mine I miss the warm southern breeze The sycamore trees Her loving eyes Smiling at me And honey I'm coming home Cause I miss the warm southern breeze Her sycamore trees Her loving eyes Smiling at me Oh honey I'm coming home Honey, I'm coming home. All right, so that was Sycamore Tree by David Miner. And how are you doing this morning? Wonderful. That's good. Uh, the show last night went well? Yes, I'm dog tired, but I'm happy. That's good. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that show went? Yeah, it went wonderful. I think it was an almost sold out crowd in the Mission Ballroom. Close to 4,000 people. Charlie Crockett's band is fantastic so it would have been worth it just to sit on the side of the stage and watch them but brought the band up from oklahoma and we played the set it was a lot of fun that's good now we've got this show coming up on the 28th at the swing station have you played up there before yes that is my regular haunt that's your regular all the time is there anything you want to tell us about that that last song that you just played any inspirations like how you wrote that guy yeah it's on my last album silver valley and uh i really enjoy stories that end before they're supposed to. So that was kind of an exercise in writing a song where the story progresses and builds to a point where it just kind of leaves off. And uh, the point of the song is the not knowing as opposed to the story. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Now, is that kind of a, that was a new style that you were trying when you were writing that song? Sort of. Or it was the first good one I wrote in that (laughs) style. (laughs) At least it's a good one. I really enjoyed it. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, so you've been living in Fort Collins for how many years now? Three and some change. Three and some t- change. And you're a communications minor, major, I, right? I sure am. Sure are. How's that going? Good. Good. I enjoy writing. That's Yeah. I mean, have to if you're yeah. being a musician here. <laughs> what I want to ask about is just kind of how you ended up choosing to go to CSU. 
Well, for me, the big part was the area. I love how beautiful Fort Collins is. I'd never been to Colorado before until I came out to look at the school and uh, sold instantly. So what were the uh, the few things that got you? Man, the second the second I went up to Horsetooth, I loved it. But just like the town's energy and the people here were really cool and yeah, good yeah. times. All right. So you gave me a little... We'll sneak on the title of this next song. It's yeah. called Virginia Dale. Yes, it is. Now, that's a little town up north on 287. Mm-hmm. What's the inspiration behind all that? Well, I, dr- I play up in Laramie a lot, so I've driven by Virginia Dale a million times and uh, did some digging and found out that it was actually a, a ghost town and it used to be a stagecoach station and some crazy stuff went down there. And I was like, well, someone's got to write a song about it, so... I did. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get this going. Here's Virginia Dale by David Miner. Back in 1862, before the trains all came through, Northern Colorado, there's a place It was there that old Jack Slade settled on grassy glade And he made a station for the overland stage And the man he'd come to place, old Jules Benny was his name Was an outlaw and a robber and a brute And on an afternoon so fine, he shot old Jack about five times Before he even had a chance to shoot Virginia Dale, where have you gone? Streets have long been empty, but your legend still lives on. Virginia Dale, I quick to fall. Your stories that go from the king walls. Well, now old Jack, he survived and he went on with his life. Running stages and laying down the law. I ah, but he get drunk mean, meaner than you'd ever seen. And he'd go to town and shoot down all the wall. There was outlaws in the hills, stealing cattle and stealing bills. Stages that were running up their way. There was no band and old Jack Slade couldn't kill. I'm sure he'd tell you that if he was here today. Virginia Dale, where have they gone? Streets along with empty, but your legend still lives on. Virginia Dale, I quit to fall. Stories that go from the king wall. lynched in Montana. There ain't no more outlaws in the hills. Ah, but if you go out at night, you're awful quiet. Still hear those rumbling wagon wheels. Virginia Dale, where have you gone? The streets have long been empty, but your legend still lives on. Virginia Dale, I quit to fall. Stories that go from the canyon wall. Stories that go from the canyon wall. All 
All right. So that was Virginia Dale by David Miner. Now that sounds like it's got a lot of research behind it. A lot. A lot. All right. How long did it take you to write that song? Only a day. Actually, I found uh, like two really good sources. Okay. And we just had the whole story and I just had to make it rhyme. There we go. Yeah. Now, what about that story kind of, you know, made you interested in writing this song? Well, there's so much like uh, revenge and redemption. Jack Slade's whole story of uh, kind of his fall from grace and how he went from being the like the guy, the best stagecoach station manager guy, which was a big thing back in the day, to, uh, you know, being a drunk, getting hung in Montana because he was causing too much of a ruckus, getting replaced by his enemy. Oh, that's a that's a rough story right there. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> it's country music. It's country music. And so you're saying you you play a lot of songs up in Laramie and you yeah. drive through there. How much swing dancing you see when you're growing up there and playing? As much as I can muster. Honestly. <laughs> so you grew up in Washington, right? I sure did. And whereabouts in Washington did you grow up? Right around the Seattle area. The w- the wettest, darkest place in the United States. <laughs> All right. And then, so I'm guessing there's not a lot of country music up there. You'd be surprised. Be surprised. The, the okay. wet, dark, depressing environment really, they're hiding out there, but you can you can find some sad country singers if you look for them. Okay. So did you uh, kind of grow up playing around the area then? Uh, I grew up playing in my basement and, uh, I actually didn't play in front of an audience until I came to CSU and started playing open mics. And, uh, I've been playing guitar and writing songs since I was 10, but, uh, never thought that it was something I could do in front of people. And okay. now, now I'm doing it in front of people. That's pretty nice. Yeah. There we go. And you said you, you grew up just playing in your basement. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just Jam a little bit with friends or just on your own? Big Marshall stack and headphones, just sit down there and shred all day. Nice. Yeah. And then just during the break, you were telling me about how you used to just go hang out in the plains and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the the cool thing about Washington is, as uh, you know, the Seattle area is beautiful, but it it can get, it can wear on you sometimes. So uh, just over the mountains is sunny, sunny Eastern Washington. And uh, I'd always escape there to go camping with the buddies and clear the head. There we go. Yeah. And then, you know, weirdly enough, isn't that one of the driest places in the U.S. too? Yeah, there's a desert. And then you said you've got a song about Washington, right? Yeah, this song, it's a song about the Skagit Valley of Washington, which okay. is a uh, big farming area in western Washington that I love going to. And uh, yeah, it's about how those towns up there have been changing in the last five, ten years. Nice. What was it called again? It's called Too Fast. It's been raining for days straight There's chain link round the farm stand And a padlock on the gate And the main street's getting busy With people from the city 
taking pictures of our town like it's something on display and we curse the day they say progress is coming for our town oh but progress went ahead and it shut factory down now this town is just a gift shop and a place to pump your gas we're all moving way too fast so we're propped up by the lake Listening to the radio and dying on our bait and we're spitting on the ground. Trying not to shake, but it's getting cold. And we're glaring at the sun. Talking about football and talking about guns And we're wondering if this world is falling down Or if we're just getting old Or so we're told They say progress is coming for our town Oh, but progress went ahead and it shut the factory down. Now this town is just a gift shop and a place to pump your gas. We're all moving way too fast. We're my work, not my bone. I'd be halfway across the county before the break of dawn. From there, I'd be long gone. Instead of spinning my wheels in a town that's gone so wrong, it's gone so wrong. They say progress is coming for our town. Oh, progress went ahead and it shut the factory down. Now this town is just a gift shop and a place to pump your gas. We're all moving way too fast. We're all moving way too fast That was a very beautiful song. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so, I mean, I kind of have an idea of what this song is about, but... Do you want to go ahead and just kind of tell us? Yeah. 
Um, Skagit Valley is a great place to grow crops because it rains a lot. But the problem is it's been raining more and more and more every year, and it's hard to grow crops in standing water. And uh, the economy of that place is suffering because of it, and it's kind of turning into a bunch of small towns that are tourist traps and uh, kind of have kitschy uh, gift shops and seafood places and stuff. And it's losing a lot of the uh, soul of that area that makes it such a staple to the state. So growing up in Washington, you've kind of seen the shift in all this? Yeah, Washington is a place that's been changing crazy fast with uh, – Amazon and all a ton of big corporations coming into Seattle and you know it's good for the economy but it's their influence is spreading throughout the state and kind of killing all the small towns that make Washington so cool. That was David Miner with the KCSU Live in Studio Live and Local podcast. If you want to finish the rest of that episode, you can check it out at kcsufm.com. Girl, I'm feeling some college radio vibes. Oh. I got you, BB. You know that college radio is more than just the Coachella lineup, right? It's also like metal and sports and EDM and news and jazz. And KCSU, where college radio is more than just college radio. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's basketball, the team is now at 13-5 and in their season, winning their game against Fresno State 78-67. Their next game is against Nevada at Moby Arena. In men's basketball, the team is 15-1, and beating Air Force 73-53. Their next games are against Nevada and UNLV, both hosted at Moby Arena. Women's softball and lacrosse has now announced their schedules and will be beginning in early February. In track and field, the men's and women's teams competed in the Air Force Invitational in Colorado Springs, and the Rams came home with multiple podium finishers. Congrats to Gabby McDonald, Liam Mathers, Mariano Kiss, Lauren Gale, and Jessica Ozad on their podium finishes. In women's swim and dive, freshman Lindsay Gizzy beat the school dive record at Air Force. The team was also recognized as a Scholar All-American team, and they will be competing against Northern Colorado this weekend. If you are interested in student tickets, go to csurams.evenue.net to get tickets for men's and women's basketball, lacrosse, softball, and more. My name is Eliza Drotar. This has been your RMR Sports Report. Now we're going to be hearing from Lauren Wadsworth, one of the anchors at CTV. They're going to be having an episode tonight at 7 p.m., so be sure to tune in. Based in Denver and nearly a decade in the making, Colorado State University's Spur Campus is now open to guests. On what was previously the National Western Stock Show grounds, Spur has sprouted with an initiative. What CSU Spur is designed to do is to allow for the typical activities that you might think of for CSU research, education, and outreach 
in addition to a real focus on drawing the public into our facilities and allowing them to interact with our scientists and educators at work. The first of the three buildings on campus named Vida is already open to the public and focuses on animal sciences. Inside, you can find interactive teaching displays and a two-story design that allows visitors to watch surgeries and therapy sessions. We don't know of anywhere else that is really taking the approach of combining what universities do so well, research, education, innovation, collaboration, and inviting the public in in this way to watch it all happen. Much of the Spur site is still currently under construction, but with big plans for the future. Despite the renovations, there are still many opportunities at the campus for further knowledge to anyone interested. If you have the chance as a young person to come here and see yourself in those careers and that they're possible for you, we think that's a great way to get more people engaged in solving really big global challenges in food, water, and health. And that's what we're all about here. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed any part of today's show or want to subscribe for twice weekly updates, check out our Spotify podcast by searching KCSU News. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to Tech News for Thursday. Pablo Picasso's heirs joined the massive wave of cryptocurrency users, selling over 1,000 digital art pieces of a ceramic work. According to Jamie Keaton at the Associated Press, the artist who created his work in the 1900s, ceramic piece was until now never seen by the public. His granddaughter, Marina Picasso, invited journalists to interview her and her son Florian about the launch of Picasso's NFTs. NFTs are also known as non-fungible tokens and are a form of cryptocurrency that uses images such as artworks. Fungible tokens all have the same value, unlike NFTs such as the Picasso ones. Cryptocurrency, including NFTs, are often criticized for their environmental consequences as they use significant amounts of energy. After Neil Young announced plans to protest Spotify, his music is being removed from the platform. According to Anastasia Sulkus at National Public Radio, Young's objection related to the Joe Rogan podcast and Rogan's content which spread COVID-19 misinformation throughout the pandemic. Spotify continues to distribute Rogan's podcast, and he is the exclusive platform for his content. In a letter to his manager, Young said, quote, I am doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. They can have Rogan or Young, not both, end quote. Wednesday afternoon, NPR said that Young's albums were still available for streaming on Spotify. Spotify sent a statement to NPR the same day, saying, quote, We want all the world's music and audio content to be available to Spotify users. With that comes great responsibility in balancing both safety for listeners and freedom for creators. We have detailed content policies in place, and we've removed over 20,000 podcast episodes related to COVID since the start of the pandemic. We regret Neil's decision to remove his music from Spotify, but hope to welcome him back soon, end quote. Micron Technology, a memory chip maker, is shutting down its Shanghai DRAM chip 
design operations by 2023. According to Reuters, the end of the designer's work was first reported by the South China Morning Post Wednesday, and a portion of the 150 Shanghai-based engineers will be relocating to India and the United States to continue their work. Semiconductor chips, such as the DRAM chips made by Micron, have been incredibly influential in the availability of products globally, such as cars, computers, and other devices. DRAM chips typically are used in personal computers, while Micron's NAND chip is used for data storage. That's all for Tech News. I'm Kota Babcock, and now for the weather. Today was cold and snowy with a high of 31 degrees and a low of 10 degrees. Friday, you can expect sunny skies with a high of 43 and a low of 23, followed by Saturday, which will be mostly sunny with a high of 46 and a low of 23. Moving into next week, Sunday will see a high of 47 with a low of 23 and sunny skies. Monday will be partly cloudy with a high of 46 and a low of 25, followed by Tuesday where we'll see snow showers and a high of 33 with a low of 12. And for Wednesday's weather, Be sure to tune in next Tuesday from 4 to 5 in the afternoon for the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Kota Babcock, and information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, London Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandel, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.